Hey, folks, Tom and Keith, thanking you for tuning in each and every week to listen to Front Row Knowles via the podcast. And a special thank you to the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club for their continued support of this podcast. A great place to watch Florida State ball game. a great place to have a good time. Remember, you can access the club on Friday night. You can go there on Saturday. You can repeat it on Sunday, an entire weekend of events. Whether it's for personal fandom or if you want to entertain clients, employees, social groups, uh, there's different packages available. You can get a single game uh, ticket experience as well and just sample it uh, at one game this year. Some new features, too, uh, from year one. They've got misters and fans in there, and they also are really emphasizing uh, flavorful food, but with a local connection, local tie, expanded food opportunities. John Rivers of Four Rivers will be in there preparing. Uh, also, you can get Bradley sausage for those of you that remember that. How, how do I get more information? They can get more information by calling uh, 850-644-1830, option one, or you can visit fsuclubseats.com. Thanks again to them and enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Do you hear that sound in the distance, KJ? Can you hear it coming from Doe Campbell Stadium? It's, it's a low murmur, and it's, I think build, it might be, it's building. It's, it's building. building. It might be the war chant. It's actually a game week. Wow. It is actually a game week as we say good evening to you on Front Row Knowles, and that's welcome relief to utter those words. Who's going to help me with my paranoia? Well, that's what this counseling session is for each and every Wednesday, and sometimes I think I succeed, and other times I go home and need counseling myself. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm just telling you, I don't know about the rest of our listeners, but this this gap, I, I've gone, okay, I've gone gonna, negative. I'm, I've gone negative. Help I'm, me. I'm, I'm help gonna, me. I'm going to help you right now. I need to pull the numbers up. I thought I had printed them out, so it's going to take me a minute. But so on the negative side, the negative side reads like this. Really good defense for NC State. Dalvin Cook couldn't run on them last year. Their entire front seven is seniors, and some of those are NFL guys. And Florida State starting a true freshman quarterback. And hasn't played a game in 21 days. Did I encapsulate the negative? Medic! (laughs) Medic! All right. uh, Now, bear with me. Here's the positive. I I tabulated this. Now, this is redshirt freshman, not true freshman. Redshirt freshman quarterbacks under Jimbo at FSU in their first career start. This is where we're going to bring you back right here. Combined. 97 for 117. This is four games. That's 83% completion percentage. I like it. 1,331 yards. In four games. In four games. I like it. 11 touchdowns. I like it. Two interceptions. I like it. Plus a rushing touchdown for Jameis. Do you feel better? I'm working on it. Those quarterbacks, by the way, EJ in, in 2009 against Wake Forest on the road. Clint Trickett on the road at Clemson in 2011. Not a shabby opponent. Jameis on the road to open the 2013 season. And Frenchie away from home last year, DeAndre Francois, against Ole Miss. So all four of those games, by the way, none of them home games. So there was an extra element involved in getting those freshman quarterbacks. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. You're breathing. You're feeling better? Deep breaths. Deep breaths. I thought you might feel a little bit better when I share that. Well played. The point there is that Jimbo now... There'll be nine more games after this, and there'll be tape on Blackman, and he will have holes, and opponents will scout that and figure it out. But this is game one, and Jimbo has been very good in this situation. All right, well, what about the other side? They've got a quarterback that completes 75% of his passes, has not thrown an interception in 192 attempts. They have a youngster they can bring in 
that looks like Deshaun Watson running at the quarterback position. They have someone that I'm just going to call Peter Warwick in Samuels that plays in their H-back. Peter Warwick's an exaggeration. I think he – well, he scores like Peter scored. He had five touches, rushing t- attempts last week, and three of them were for touchdowns. Now, they were short, but he still scored. It was against Furman. Keep talking. Well, let's I'm go, trying. Let, let, let's just get back okay. to it. Okay. Here's here's how I'm going to help you. Josh Sweat. I like him. Derek Nodding. I like him. Demarcus Christmas. I like him. Brian Burns. Okay. Matthew Thomas. Okay. Roderick Hoskins. Oh, I'm breathing again. Tavares McFadden. <sighs> how you feeling better? Is Nate back? I don't know if Nate's back, but there's about eight other guys there. Oh, Derwin James. Oh, you, uh, there okay, we go. How are you feeling go. now? You feeling I'm, all right? All right, 12 and a half point favorites, are we? All right, now I'm going to walk you right back onto that edge. <laughs> special teams. Oh, you had to bring that up. <laughs> Medic! No, see, this right now is the conversation every FSU fan is having with themselves uh, because we just don't know. There's no book on the well, 21 in fact, day. In fact, that has become Jimbo's favorite answer this week. I don't know. We don't know. And we literally don't. Have you adjusted your expectations for this season and how much so based on all this? I have lowered them slightly. I was one who said, regardless of the Alabama outcome, uh, assuming Francois continued to play, Florida State was a playoff team. Uh, I do not know whether Florida State will get good enough quarterback play to make it back to the top four. I think it all hinges on what Blackman and or others do. Uh, I think what I've also come to understand, and, and Jeff's talked about it on his show. I know Ira's mentioned it, uh, and Corey, I'm sure, is going to write about it, those guys that we hang out with and talk about that uh, we're close to. We're going to find out just how good a coaching job Jimbo Fisher can do, given the way the cards are dealt right now. Uh, you know, a 9-3 and three season with a true freshman quarterback against this schedule I would have to say right now would not be a bad year. 10-2 and two would be quite phenomenal. So we're going to find out some things that we didn't think we were even going to have to look at in 2017 because of DeAndre's injury. And you got to subtract a game one way or the other there since there's only 11 regular Also season. correct. I'm sorry, yes. Also so 8-3, 9-2. So and two. Yeah, that, that's what's interesting. Of course, those expectations, wherever they are for you right now, 3.30 on Saturday, they'll either be deeper in a hole or all of a sudden they'll be back up again based on you, what you, you see. You remember studying standard deviations? You know, so I've tried to block that out, yes. Well, but This will be the biggest standard deviation game. People are going to go way negative or way positive, depending on the outcome of this contest. Well, I mean, Florida State nationally, the pers- they've dropped two spots in the polls. And Miami's, playing, and and Miami's, Miami's going through. Yeah, so go figure. We will have our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, joining us uh, in just a couple of minutes. And then uh, a real treat, a guy uh, Keith and I used to work with. When he was uh, in the infant uh, stages, he was a baby. He was just a baby of his broadcasting career. Uh, he's now the play-by-play television voice for the Chicago White Sox, but he'll be calling the TV broadcast this weekend. That's Jason Benetti. We used to work with him on the Seminole Radio Network. Great guy. We'll we'll have that for you a little bit later in the program. I do want to share an anecdote because this was a great story last night. Keith, you and I are taking turns speaking at the Tallahassee Quarterback Club, and we appreciate that that opportunity. And so last night, Drew Weatherford was in. Now, Drew Weatherford is thirty-two-ish, maybe something like that perspective of how time flies he trey fisher was at the event last night because trey was honored as one of the high school stars for his performance at nfc and drew looks at him and says man it's been 10 years since i met you because he met him in 07 when jimbo got here and here's here's trey is the starting quarterback at nfc but anyway 
and I'll, Drew didn't share all this, but he did get into the fact that it was a difficult time for him. He started for three years and then didn't start. He got benched. Jimbo, he got benched, and Jimbo, and Jimbo benched him. Jimbo played Christian Ponder. And Drew and I have had conversation about it. He was bitter's too strong a word because Drew's too good a guy, but he was not happy about it. And then years later, as you saw what Ponder became in a first round pick, he said, you know, Jimbo made the right call. Well, this is this is related to that as well because when he came out, he even though he didn't play a lot his senior year, he still had ambitions to play in the NFL. So he's telling the story. He, you know, he had a, he worked out with Tommy Shaw. He had great lead up to the draft. And the Patriots were the team that were, was the most interested in him leading up to the draft, the New England Patriots. Now he knew he'd go in the low rounds if he went at all. Uh, so they get to the seventh round and the Patriots are on the clock. And he's thinking, this is it. I'm going to get picked by the Patriots here. And so whoever's reading the announcement with the 232nd pick in the NFL draft, the New England Patriots select quarterback from kent state julian edelman you remember julian edelman was a quarterback I coming out for, no i had forgotten so that. drew tells a story he says he gets up he's all ticked off because he says they're taking guys from kent state before they're taking me so i'm done you know i mean what what does that say about me if they're taking this guy and then he he just subtly added that after Edelman bailed the Patriots out in the Super Bowl this past year, he finally is willing to admit that the Patriots made the right choice <laughs> that day when they took Edelman over him. But I hadn't heard that story. And anyway, Drew's a success, successful businessman down in uh, uh, in the Tampa area with two of his brothers right now. But it was a good story, and they do a good job at the Tallahassee quarterback. Land Lakes, isn't that where he did he play? At yes, he Lakes? played. He actually he pulled out some stats. A Weatherford brother was the starting quarterback at land of lakes and i swear he said this it doesn't seem possible for 18 consecutive years he's wow. one of nine kids and there's seven I knew, boys. I knew he had a big family i knew he had a big family i, I might be mixing up stats that he, he dropped one that was 11 years so maybe that one's 11 and something else was 18 but it was forever there was a weatherford starting there all right we will uh, get to tim linnefelt after i remind you that uh, if you have not visited our our compadres at centrale italian you need to do that uh National Pepperoni Pizza Day this week. I think today, in fact, so half-price uh, pepperoni pizzas there. Uh, remember that they do cater. You can learn more at centraliitalian.com. I encourage you to uh, to drop by. And then uh, this is an exciting and depressing note all at once, Keith, but, uh, you know, their new concept, the Soto Baking Company that they're opening in Midtown, they've been posting pictures, sneak peeks, at the donuts that they're creating. At the what? The donuts. The donut. And they look like I thought they would look like. Are they big? They look like a spare tire that's that's growing, if you know what I'm saying. Oh! Yeah. Anyway, if you don't need to worry about such things, uh, go to Soto when they open and, and, and tell the folks at Centrale we sent well, you there. Even if you do, screw it. It's worth it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Everybody's favorite, Tim Linnefeld, is up next on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith with you, and time to bring uh, everybody's favorite onto the program, our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, ensuring your future together online at EarlBacon.com. Tim, how goes it? That goes pretty well, Tom. How about yourself? How come he's more popular than we are? 
Who said that? I just did. I just oh. did. Well, for starters, Keith, we have no indication, not that social media is really a great one, but you're not on social media. Ah. Which, you you know, in your defense, that, that allows a great platform where people could talk about you behind your back, but they don't even do that. So I don't know if that means they like you or you're irrelevant. But either way, Tim's who we're talking to now. Should I proceed? Yes. Tim. <laughs> you have to get it all sorted out? I think so. All we've right, we've got right. a game this week. We talked yeah, last week. Bizarre was the word of the week last week. It's still in play this week. Even Jimbo's admitted that he doesn't know what to expect because there's not a guidebook in the coaching manual on how to handle 21-day layoffs. So what do you expect? That's a really good question. I don't know what to expect. I, I've spent a little bit of time thinking about it, and I, I, nobody knows. Uh, you know, it's kind of two ways of thinking about it. Is one, having three weeks of practice time, you know, they're – going to come out looking like their hair is on fire and, and blow the doors off NC State and, and we'll all think that this is a great way to start the season. Uh, or they come out looking like they haven't played a game in three weeks and NC State's going to be playing their fourth game and all of a sudden a, a game that I think you know we might have already thought would be challenging is, is even closer than, than we would have initially expected a month ago. Uh, which of those is actually going to happen? Uh, I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I, I found myself <laughs> talking to myself into negative. I'm going, all right, they have a quarterback that completes 75% of their passes. They've got uh, the equivalent of Peter Warwick in their H-back position. They've got. I don't know about that. They've got seven seniors starting in their front seven on defense. Uh, d- d- talk me out of my hole, please. Well, you know, I do think the uh, the nature of sports fandom most of the time is the the more time we have to sit and think and stew about things, uh, our mind is going to drift toward the negative rather than the positive, right? Uh, look, I, I don't say anything, but you know, Florida State's players are still good. Uh, you know, especially that defense. I don't think we anything's changed uh, in that front. Uh, the the skill position players are really good. I and mean, the only question still, and it's you know remarkably still a question three weeks later, is what are you going to get out of James Blackman? But look, I agree with you. NC State's a tough team. All those guys uh, in the front seven are really talented. Bradley Chubb's probably an NFL player. Jalen Samuels, uh, who you just referenced, the H back. I mean, he does a little bit of everything. Uh, but this is also a team that lost to South Carolina uh, in its season opener not all that long ago. Uh, their, their other wins were against Marshall and uh, I want to say Wofford, but I know that's wrong. Furman. Uh, but, Furman. Uh, Furman, Furman. Furman, there you go. Um, so, you know, it's not like it's the 85 Bears rolling in here. Uh, to me, it's just a matter of if Florida State plays up to its potential, uh, then I think they'll be fine. Uh, the question is, you know, to go back to the first, uh, first little bit there, is are they going to be able to reach that potential or how, how quickly will they reach that potential uh, after three weeks away from, from playing a game? And we're all in agreement. We'll answer that question about 3.30 p.m. on Saturday is when we'll uh, know the answer to that. You mentioned the H-back. You wrote an interesting article on Seminoles.com. He's there, Mr. Versatility. And then you have Derwin, who, by the way, in one of the mock drafts, projected to go number two overall in the uh, 2018 NFL draft, assuming he declares. But uh, anyway, James uh, versus their Mr. Versatility. Uh, tell us a little bit more about those two. I think it should be a pretty interesting matchup. And then with the caveat that, you know, slowing down Jalen Samuels isn't going to solely fall on Derwin James's shoulders. He just seems like, you know, the, the, the best bet to do that. If there's anybody who can, can follow a, a player around multiple positions, it would be the guy who often lines up in multiple positions. But you know, the thing about Jalen Samuels, I don't know if you realize this when you guys were at ACC kickoff, uh, and this probably is the biggest compliment that I, I think that you know, certainly the ACC could give him, is uh, for the first time ever at ACC kickoff, when you were voting on your, uh, your preseason all-ACC team, uh, there was a slot for an all-purpose back. That had never happened before. I went back and looked, and no, there was never a, a, a vote on the all-purpose back for the preseason All-ACC team. But you know, the ACC, they're like, man, this we got to get this kid on the on the preseason team because he is, in fact, one of the best players in the league. Uh, 
like they, you know, there's nowhere to put him. So uh, we'll see. He's, he primarily, I think, works as a slot receiver. They do give him carries uh, out of the backfield. Uh, he lines up in that H-back position a lot. But he also can throw passes. Uh, one of his rushing touchdowns uh, last week against Furman was he actually lined up at quarterback and, 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 and ran it in. He threw a 59-yard touchdown pass last year. Uh, can do a little bit of everything, um, and, and you know, Florida, NC State's offense kind of really sort of you know flows through him. But he's not the only guy they have either. Uh, you mentioned Keith, the uh, the quarterback is a really talented guy. Doesn't throw interceptions uh, like at all. Uh, and then the other player I'm looking at is uh, Naheem Hines, who was a uh, a receiver. He caught 11 passes uh, for more than 100 yards against Florida State last year, and they actually moved him to running back for this year. So. Uh, plenty of offensive weapons on that side. Uh, you know, here, here I don't know if I'm making you feel better, Keith. I just realized I'm talking up all these guys, but they do have some quality players. Keith, Keith has left the room. Yeah, Keith is <laughs> Keith is paranoid by nature. Well, here's sort of the interesting schematic thing or, or matchup thing, Tim. You know, normally first game true freshman quarterback, you'd think we're going to hand the ball off, we're going to run play action, we're going to stay ahead of the chains which is all well and good, except that it's hard to run the ball on NC State. And much like the game plan against Alabama or the matchup against Alabama, it would not surprise me if the plan was was to throw the ball first to open that up, despite the fact there's a true freshman quarterback. And I don't necessarily mean throw uh, hugely complicated crossing routes where you got too much to read, but if you get looks, I mean, a 40-yard pass and one-on-one coverage, you may take your chances with that, given FSU's receivers. No, I actually agree. In, in fact, uh, our our mutual friend Lane Hurt and I were just discussing that on our our video preview for the game. Is where can we know, find that video preview for the game, Tim? On Seminoles dot com uh, on the internet. Okay, I'm uh, glad that we were able to just subtly work that into the conversation. Go ahead. But that is a uh, that is a tease. That won't be up for another day or so. Oh, okay. but uh, the point being that, uh, but you're right. And conventional wisdom suggests that you're going to try to run the ball uh, and, and establish that, and, and you know, get into some more manageable situations. But like you said, NC State. Is really good against the running. They're 11th in the country in run defense, and, and not only that, but they're not so hot in pass defense. They're they're pretty susceptible through the air. So I think Florida State uh, might have to throw the ball a little bit. And also, uh, you know, we've been around long enough to know. To me, when, whenever somebody tells Jimbo Fisher what the conventional wisdom says, uh, he's a pretty good bet to kind of go against that sometimes. Uh, in part because the situation dictates that you're not just going to run into a brick wall against a, an NC State defensive front. Uh, if, in fact, they are shutting the running game down. Uh, but also, uh, I think he likes to kind of zag when people think he's going to zig uh, sometimes. And, and if, if he's as confident in James Blackman as, as he and everybody says they are, I don't think there's any reason to think that they would be hesitant, uh, even in the first quarter, first drive, to you know, maybe try to find Ryan Izzo down the middle of the field and, and, and get you know, move the sticks with him like he was able to do against Alabama. You know, find a way to, to let Nyquan Murray do what he does so well, which is sort of – get lost in, in a hole in the defense, throw him the ball, and, and let him make somebody miss. I, I, I think that's going to happen uh, on Saturday regardless, and I think it's a pretty good strategy. For and don't forget, you know, the coaches always like to say, uh, a short pass, especially to a running back, you know, in the flats or on a short little route, uh, you know, you can sort of count those, and not count them, but, but think of those as running plays, that they're able to pick up you know, a few yards and get you into a second and five, second and four, and, and get things a little bit more manageable. Tim, one of the things I think FSU faithful, as a general rule, would like to have commented on is what's what's been done on the special teams after the Alabama game. I got the impression that Jimbo didn't think there were any real worries. This guy did this, this guy did that, another guy made another mistake. But but in his press conference this week, he talked about they had spent some time over the last couple of weeks, good on good, which is his way of saying number ones versus number ones in live live special teams drills. Yeah, well, I think. Kind of answered the the question, and, and look, what do you do? You, you you practice it. Like I don't think that there's 
sweeping changes that they were trying to make to you know what they were doing or the you know the, the quote unquote plays they were running or even the personnel. I still think they like the guys that they have back there, but I think it's just a matter of of doing it right, of doing it better. Of you know, he mentioned there was somebody who split too wide uh, on the on the punt return or, or the, the punt that got blocked. Uh, so okay, well let, let's do that over and over again. You know, kicking and punting, just keep up those reps. I don't know that there's any you know magic sauce or anything that you can just pour on it and, and have it come out being automatically better, but the upside is that they did have three weeks to work on it. I think everybody knows. Uh, you know, I, I didn't get that same impression as you, Keith. I thought you know that, that Jimbo obviously was was pretty uh, disappointed in his special teams. How could he not be? And you know, any, any coach who's as detailed, most coaches, are, or I guess all coaches are detail oriented, but certainly one as detail oriented as he is, uh, is going to take pride in having special teams and knowing that, that that they're good in that area. And when Florida State's had its best teams, uh, they've been really good on special teams. So uh, I'm sure that bothered him. I'm sure they spent a lot of time working on it. And the good news is they had a lot of time to work on it. That is the good news. Fortunately, we won't have three weeks before the next game after this one. We'll just keep that we know of. Well, yeah, that we know of. Lord willing, we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep plugging along. You know what? Because we need some good news here, Tim. Because I mean, volleyball lost this week, soccer lost this week. We haven't had football. Do you have some good news stories on Seminoles dot com we can read? <laughs> well, you know, there's uh, all, all kinds of stuff going on. The, the goodest news, the goodest, the best news uh, is that, like you said, there's a football game on Saturday. I think we're all just kind of anxious for that. Uh, and I think it's kind of a cool story. Quentin Richardson, the uh, the NBA veteran, uh, came in and talked to some uh, some student athletes a couple of days ago, as uh, part of the, uh, the the Real Men program. That's an acronym, uh, but you know, life skills and and, um, and and different things that, that sort of relate. You know, former athletes or former student athletes come and talk to the current student athletes of Florida State and kind of share some real world wisdom from the professional world or or whatever the case may be. Stuff that they wish that they had known when they were 18, 19, 20 years old. There's a pretty cool story up about that and some of the stuff that he shared. So I would check that out. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, look, uh, soccer and volleyball tough week for both of them. Those are still really good programs, and they lost to really good teams, really good Florida teams, which I know nobody is, is happy about. But, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, soccer lost to North Carolina. Right. The, the, uh, getting, getting my schedule messed up, the Florida game was supposed to happen. Uh, but the, North Carolina is a really good team, too. So I'm not saying you're not allowed to be disappointed, but, uh, you know, keep it in perspective. It's still early in the season for both those teams, and then you're talking about some of the elite programs in the country in North Carolina. All right, the heck with all that. Let's get to that which you do goodest. Okay. That would be rapid fire. I'm really, I'm really good at communicating in the English language. That's why I do it for a little. That's why there's uh, spell check and all those sorts of things, <laughs> which has eliminated that skill set from future generations entirely because they can just Google and hit review and hit buttons and all that. All right, here we go. Rapid fire. You got you got to push on Louisiana Tech because I mean Louisiana Monroe because we didn't play that game, so we have no answers. But here we go. This is the NC State version. Remember, what was he seven and five against Bama? Correct. So he passed the Bama test. Here comes this week's test. Are you ready? You're, I'm ready. You're sitting down. All right. Over under 300 yards passing for James Blackman. Under. Over under two and a half touchdown passes by James Blackman. Under. Over under one half sack for Bradley Chubb. Under. Likes the under today. Over under, under one half sack for Derwin James. Under. Over under 75,000 attendance. Over. You probably have friends in places where you could help manipulate <laughs> that number. Don't don't tell the folks in Vegas. Leading rusher for FSU by attempts. Cam Akers, Patrick, or somebody else? Patrick. Blocked kicks allowed by FSU. Over, under, one half. Under. I had to repeat that question. It was so good from last time around. <laughs> Turnovers by FSU. Over, under, one half. Over. Turnovers created by the FSU defense, over under one and a half. Wait, what was the question you just asked me? 
The first one was how many times is Florida State going to turn the ball over? Over under. All right. Let's let's reverse. That's that's my NC State number. I got confused. Okay. So you you think FSU doesn't turn it over? I had that bar at a half. I th- I think NC State's turned it over at least twice. Okay. And the first one, I'll leave you where you were then. Okay. All right. Twelve and a half point spread. Last I looked, will FSU cover? No, but I think it'll be close. Hedging is bad. There he goes. That's not hedging. That's not hedging. I, I, I somewhere in the ten point range. Tim, you get so there. defensive on this. Every every tweet I read from a national sports writer says, "Look for NC State to play well this weekend." But it wouldn't surprise me if FSU hammered them. You know, like they all hedge their bets in every tweet you look at. Well, you know, so much as unpredictable. I, I guess that ten points sounds about right. Okay. The uh, the uh, the actual over under in this game is fifty one and a half. So are we going uh, up or down on that? Let me do some math real quick. Uh, under. What kind of math did you do there? You got what? What's the final score you just projected in your head? Oh, I'm thinking somewhere in the in the twenty four fourteen range. All right, now we we get off the grid a little bit. Uh, the captains for FSU against Alabama were Naughty, Pugh, Eberly, and Derwin James. They're going to be the same or different this week? I think they'll be the same. Oh, he's got the same captains. All right. See, I think That's there a might good be. Group. It is a good group, but there might be a tweak. And there's going to be a flyover before the game. The uh, F-16 fighting Falcons, three of them. Is there over the stadium? I hope. Oh, well, that was not the over/under question. Hopefully, no, over-under over-under for you. <laughs> hopefully, over the stadium is is accurate. This is not an over/under question. Uh, I'm looking for a, an actual number here. How fast can they fly? What's their max speed? Oh gosh. Uh... I mean, I have no frame of reference to this whatsoever. Uh, 600 miles an hour? That seems pretty quick. Well, the correct answer is actually classified since we're still oh. flying them. But as best I could tell, 1,350 miles per hour is uh, wow. via Google. Yeah, That's almost right. twice the speed of sound. Somebody in the military the Air Force uh, can correct me, but these are in the fleet, I think, through 2048 now, so... So are they going to be? I guess I assume they're not going to be at top speed when they're going over the stadium. Like, no, but that was a little more difficult to 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 figure out what's the speed when they're doing the flyover, and I I don't yeah. know. I, actually, I, I probably could call over to athletics and get an answer to that. I don't know. Maybe I'll try to track that down for next week. I guess they can't do it, but like that'd be pretty cool to see one you know, zoom over at top. Would you even be able to see it? Would you just hear it? I, we yes. don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know the answers to this. All I know oh, is yeah, remember quick. remember four or five years ago when the flyover and 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 I don't know why I remember this, but the lead pilot was an FSU graduate, but it was a female, and they were so low, they almost clipped the flagpole. And, oh, I remember that one. That was you, the, uh, the helicopter. Yeah, and you turned to the right, and there were people where the Champions Club is now that were diving underneath their seats. They <laughs> they thought they were coming in. No, that, that's now a, that's it, a flyover. It like uh, it, it pulled up on its way. Out. Exactly, exactly. We can, we have a lot of great moments in FSU flyover history. It sounds like a feature for Seminoles dot com. Oh, at least a segment for the show, maybe next week. Because by the way, one of the pilots this week will be an FSU alum in one of those three F sixteen. So there you go. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Hey, Tim, good job as always. You're, you're the goodest guest we have each and every oh, week. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's, I'm going to live that down uh, never. very soon. The I'm answer sure. to that is never. All right, Tim, oh. Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider. More Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. 
We're having technical <laughs> problems there, Tommy? Technical difficulties, KJ. I apologize. Has the iPhone... The iPhone has escaped me. All I was trying to do was set a, a, a simple timer for this segment so that we would not run over. And I apparently... We're on lap four. I hope that I have not launched weapons, and I shouldn't joke about that in the current day and age. Yes, there you go. Thank you. So now, But now we still have to do math. <laughs> Mark this moment in history down, folks. Keith. Careful. Keith, for the first time, just solved a technological riddle before I could, which is not a high bar, but nevertheless, we've not cleared it previously that I'm aware of. Man, I'm feeling better. Timmy's got me a little more upbeat. Ah. I'm, I'm able to work an iPhone. I'm feeling I'm getting there. Walked, I'm getting there. I walked you off the ledge, pushed you towards it, washed, walked you back to it. I, I have been confident about this game from the start, and it hasn't wavered too much despite the quarterback thing. And it's a very simplistic thing that should have nothing to do with anything because it's not X's and O's. It just has to do with the fact that the games have been much tighter in Raleigh and here at home that hasn't been the case. Now, I know historically since FSU's been in the ACC, NC State has had as much success as anybody. But Florida State's won four in a row. The games at home haven't been that close since sort of the, you know, the 02 to 09 period when some of those games were the most dreadful. Well, in 10 and 11. Oh, I, gosh, you know, there was a 72 to something game one year, wasn't there? That was like in the mid '90s or whatever when, when Florida State was rolling. So I don't know. That's that's not that completely discounts the fact that NC State's front seven is all seniors. Bradley Chubb is really good. Florida State couldn't run on him last year. You got a true freshman quarterback. Well, and with nothing to do on last Saturday, I, I actually watched a, a, maybe a little more than a half of the uh, NC State Furman game. And to be honest with you, the Wolfpack looked good. Uh, you know, the the com, uh, people uh, televising the game were talking about you know given how they well they were playing. Granted, it was Furman. But how could they have lost to South Carolina to open the season? What would it be like if they had won that game? Or might they be? Uh, how might they be thought of? Uh, and it's like everything else. When you can't watch your team, and you're only watching the opponents, human nature is human nature, especially if they're winning and winning big. So um, the visual part, I'll be I'll be glad when what, what's kick twelve oh six, whatever the time sheet is. I'll be glad after the flyover and at kick to get some things going because it's been 21 days with my, my imagination playing with me. Yeah, you'll be you'll be glad when toe meets leather to borrow from our good friend Gene Deckroff. A couple of things we haven't uh, touched on yet in this show. The uh, ESPN confirmed or announced this week that the ACC Network, when it launches, will be located in Bristol and I, not in Charlotte, which surprised me. Very much surprised me. Very much surprised me. Now, as we've talked about, and we'll, we'll schedule some more time and do some more research uh, as the weeks and months ago, but... Uh, you know, the whole delivery of the ACC network, how it gets delivered, whether it's cable or, or other, uh, obviously is still a fluid um, thing. Uh, but it, it, that, that part surprised me. And, and maybe it shouldn't because if it's going to be very much digital and, and other than the normal way of doing it, they've got the facilities up there versus Charlotte. I just assumed, I guess, maybe it would I be think, I think a lot of us did since they had ESPNU there. They announced they were pulling ESPNU out and relocating it to Charlotte. I think really what it is. It's a simple business decision that, you know, the viewer at home has no idea where you're coming from. The SEC network is headquartered in Charlotte, which is not an SEC state. Probably to put the ACC network there, they'd have to incur some cost and build a larger building. And they've got space in Bristol, so they're moving it. I mean, it could be as simple have as that. Have you been to that complex, by the way? And by the way, Bristol is in the footprint for the ACC in terms of, the, of course, you know, the whole 
eastern seaboard is by yeah. virtue of the displaced conference. Have you been to either? Have you been to the Charlotte I've facilities? Been to, I've been to Bristol. I've not been to Charlotte. I've not been to either. I've been by the ones in Charlotte. Obviously, we get up there occasionally. I've not stopped in. I have never been to Bristol. I would love to go up there one time. I went to Bristol, uh, I guess it's been several years now, but when Florida State baseball got sent to Connecticut, was that 2010? Even or? though they were hosting. Uh, even though they were the top seed. Yep. That was either 2010. I think that was 2010. Yeah, because 2012 was here. So I went there, uh, and it was all predicated on FSU winning in three games, so I had a free Monday before I flew home. So I went there and, uh, and toured the campus. It's worth seeing. I wouldn't want to live in Bristol necessarily. Well, I would between about uh, May and September, but yeah, not the other time. The other, the other big news that came out on the broadcast side of the ledger, and we don't know that this will be official yet, and this is a, a little bit of insider baseball. The general public may not care that much about it, but but college athletic programs and universities will. But an IMG Learfield merger, and the reason it's not done yet is they're going to have to significantly look at this because it, it sort of screams that we might have a monopoly here. They're going to have the rights to two hundred athletic programs. Those two outfits, and th- these are the IMG who we work for, the multimedia arms of athletic right. departments. IMG who we work for, and Learfield, which is their direct competitor. The two of them combined, you mentioned over 200 properties. I read an article, you correct me if I read it incorrectly, but the two of them combined have 86% market share of the collegiate broadcast arena. Wow. Yeah, so we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. Where where universities or athletic departments would be concerned is that uh, if you don't need to outbid your biggest rival, then maybe the rights fees you get are not as high as what they have been in the in the sort of the two-headed mind. And there's others that are in the place in the in that field now, but those are the, the two behemoths. So anyway, that's the insider uh, broadcast portion of this program. We'll return to our regu- regularly scheduled program right after this when uh, Jason Benetti joins us, who we used to work with did at IMG. Right after it well, gobbled actually, up ISP. Actually, ISP that then became IMG. Well, that's another show for Exactly. He'll join us next. He's calling the play-by-play on the FSU-NC State game this weekend, so we'll bring it back to uh, Doak and, and football focus right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on the program, I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. A couple of locations to choose from. They're at 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. That's Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Tell Ron we sent you his way. And uh, now we're going to go... Another way up to the Windy City, and this will make sense uh, as we welcome our next guest on the Earl Bacon Agency Hotline, ensuring your future together. We say hello to Jason Benetti, and uh, first, the greetings. Jason, how are you? I'm great, guys. I'm uh, I'm glad to be with you. It's been too long. It, it has. So now let me give the context here. Why, why has it been long, Mr. If, if, if you're a baseball fan, particularly if you're a White Sox fan, you would know Jason Benetti because he's the play-by-play voice of the White Sox on uh, on television, and we'll talk about that momentarily. But if you're a diehard, hardcore FSU fan, you'll recognize this name and voice from years gone by when you used to be on the Seminole Radio Network. In your Was that ISP or IMG at that point? I, I lose track, Jason. You know, that was actually during the change 
changeover. So I think we started as ISD when I was with you guys and then moved over to IMG at the tail end of it. So that was circa 2008, nine, somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I think, I think 08, 09, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Well, Jason, Jason was 22 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now, you know, it'll soon be IMG slash Learfield or whatever, if that merger goes through, but that's a Keith, you and I can explore that uh, as we, as we finish up the show, but Jason is calling the play by play this weekend for the FSU NC state game. So now I have come full circle and, uh, and answered the question, why are we talking to Jason right now? <laughs> and all that said, I want to start with baseball though because you you grew up in chicago and yeah. I, I read a story that you know you were in elementary school and you had to write an essay on what you want to do when you grow up and the answer was i want to broadcast white Sox games i believe so now here you are and you're broadcasting white Sox games. that kind of stuff doesn't come to fruition so how'd you make this happen well i actually wrote three thousand of those essays oh. the pro sports teams <laughs> at the time there's one that says hartford whalers and i don't i don't know where that ended up no i i mean it's you know how it is right like you grow up a big sports fan and you want to do the home team's games, and then you get into the industry, and you're like, well, you know, I just want to call games at some point. And then if you're fortunate enough to follow the team that you cared deeply about as a kid, it kind of, like, hits you back in the face how much you loved the team as you were growing up. And, like, the weirdest part is the stadium just feels right. You know, like, it, the, the, the Italian sausage they make at the stadium still smells the same, and I know that from from being a kid going there. So I mean, it's it's been awesome. I appreciate you saying it, and and you know, I you you can't really ask for anything more career wise than than something like that. Well, Jason also begs the question: Why, why not the Cubs? Why why <laughs> why the Sox? Well, if you grow up south of a certain point in Chicago and you're a Cubs fan, you are ostracized more than you can possibly imagine. So I, I grew up with actually one of those one of those people is my dad. He grew up a Cub fan on the south side of Chicago, but we converted him very quickly, my mom and I, because in democracy, two is better than one. And he uh, he ended up converting, and he's a big Sox fan now. But that so that's why uh, is because you just you live closer to the stadium, and you kind of feel an attachment to the Sox because they're kind of your kind of people. I'm gonna bring this closer to football in the game this weekend uh because in in effect uh, you're sort of the the tv guy in waiting aren't you with hawk harrelson there and jimbo was a coach in waiting with bobby here i mean you've got a similar task there not only has has harrelson been around forever but i think his last year is going to be next year but he's as colorful as they come so what kind of pressure goes with that as you step into this role you know, Tom, it's so interesting, and I, I'm kind of kicking myself for not having thought of that because I remember sitting and, and I was uh, producing in studio the, the Bobby Bowden shows, and I'd listen to Bobby and Gene and, and, and Coach Bowden talk about his uh, his final years and, and things like that, and Jimbo was there, and it had to have been awkward at some point for Jimbo, and I think people would assume that there's some awkwardness in every spot like that, but I, I've not experienced that with Hawk, especially because Right before I was officially announced, Hawk called me. I was on the road doing a basketball game in Fort Worth, and I'll never forget, I had my phone away from me. I looked at my phone. It was this Orlando area code. That's where Hawk lives in the, in the off season. And I got this message, and it was, hey, Jason, it's Hawk Harrelson. Give me a call. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Uh, and then we talked for about maybe 15, 20 minutes. And the thing that resonated most with me that, that I'll, I'll share is, he just said, you be you, and I'll be me, and we'll do the games that we do, and we don't have to be the same person, but just believe in what you do. 
And for somebody who's got such an iconic personality and so difficult to follow, especially in creating phrases and just being iconic for the language he uses, for him to tell me that was a real load off. And it was it was a very, very neat thing. We're talking with Jason Benetti, who Keith and I both worked with uh, on the Florida State Radio Network a few years back. He calls TV play-by-play for the White Sox, but he's calling the FSU-NC State game this weekend. And, you know, some of those things you just shared that or that Hawk shared with you, probably similar to what Jimbo is telling James Blackman this week about UBU, uh, that, that, that sort of thing. But, you know, th- this matchup, you've got a 21-day layoff, and you've got a true freshman quarterback against a defense where the front seven is all seniors, and NC State's pretty doggone good. I mean, that seems like... Uh, you know, the synopsis on what this matchup is this weekend. We, Do we don't think it's going to be a 45-42 shootout, so the ball game may require some um, uh, creativity from the uh, from your standpoint. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think the thing that, that sticks out down those lines as you're talking about it is if this ends up being a close game, what are the special teams like after all the short fields from last week and the, the block kicks and whatnot? But on Blackman, I... I I, I cannot shake the feeling that Jimbo Fisher would have just loved to have had the Louisiana Monroe game. I, you know, just one of those two games, especially that one, and, and I certainly understand the reason for not having it, and, and my heart goes out to everybody down there and all, all of you that dealt with everything that came with the, the hurricane. But uh, James Blackman, it would have been really nice to give him that game against, you know, Louisiana Monroe's finest. But you've got a kid who, I mean, I, I think he's a really intriguing guy, and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting a, a to, to see him in practice or at least in warm-ups because, you know, talking to our recruiting people, he, he wasn't highly recruited. He was like 160 pounds when he was first evaluated by our recruiting guys, and he beats out Bailey Hockman, who's more highly touted. And I, I just think there's a reason that Blackman's got the job. And I do think there might be that moment. I, I was last time I saw you guys was I was doing Westwood One for the the FSU Clemson game a couple of years ago, the one that uh, the Knowles won in overtime, and that was the game when Deshaun Watson came in for Clemson and he came in for Cole Stout, and you thought, oh, he's not giving that job up ever. So I do think there's a there's a piece of me that thinks Blackman's going to come out of the shoot, and because from what I've been reading, he's been so vocal, he's a pretty confident kid. There's a chance he might really surprise all of us and be extremely poised. I mean, there's a reason he's climbed the depth chart, and I'm I'm terribly interested to see how that goes early in the game. Uh, we're, we're all terribly interested to be around here. It's been an uncomfortable three-week uh, gap. Jason, on the other side of the ball, you know, all of us that are in Tallahassee, uh, I think, have high expectations for this Florida State defense as a little bit of a national player and, and working uh, with uh, your colleagues at ESPN and otherwise. What, what, what does everybody else view, and how do they uh, look at this FSU defense? I, I think our crew, uh, I'm going to be with Rocky Boyman and Anthony Beck. I think they think FSU's defense is one of the best in the country, and I think so too. I mean, I love watching Derwin James on tape because he's just absolutely everywhere. I, uh, I've actually seen a couple of the, the Knowles players by covering high school football for ESPN. So I saw Tavares McFadden back when he was at American Heritage, and I, I watched film of Josh Sweat when the, the year that he actually, the first game, he, he, he when he broke his leg uh, at Oscar Smith. So I, I I love a lot of your guys defensively. I mean, this is just such a talented defense. And, and I think Thomas, I mean, Matthew Thomas, who you, you guys know, I mean, not that he came out of nowhere, but the 15-tackle game and the bowl game, and I, he... 
he played a pretty strong game, I felt like, at points in that Alabama game, too. I, I, I love this defense, and our crew does, and I know a lot of people at ESPN think it's one of the top uh, defenses in the country, and rightfully so, with all the talent around. I'm going to bring this back and, and be sensitive to the time here as we're up against a winner, but I do have a couple more questions I want to squeeze in. First of all, bouncing back to baseball as we wrap things up, you were here for the Florida State Regional this year, right? Am I remembering correctly? Yeah. 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 So you were you were calling the game as Florida State was down to its last strike with two outs, down a run at home against Auburn. Now, I know you call baseball all the time. You've called plenty of games. And, you know, that's a smaller crowd and not necessarily the same thing as calling a White Sox game or a football game. But that's pretty good drama for you right there when Busby hits that triple. Oh, my goodness. And then they hit by pitch right. to win the game. I mean, I, I just – I, I left that game, and I was working with Todd Walker, and I said, that's one of the best games you and I will ever call, ever. Just in terms of drama and intensity and whatever in terms of crowd size, but crowd volume and energy and just, you know, I, I did feel for, for Butch and his Auburn players because they were working with essentially two pitchers, right? And then they had the closer kid who just had to eat the innings, and I, that kid pitched his tail off, and Florida State just had too much. I mean, that was... That was an awesome comeback out of nowhere, and I, I will remember that game for a long, long time. I, 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 I honestly, and we, we use the word unbelievable too much in sports, I couldn't believe they came back. I thought it was over. Jason, Tom and I are familiar with this. Our, our listeners may not be, but um, you, you qualify uh, as an inspiration to many of us. Uh, our listeners may not know that you suffer from uh, cerebral palsy. Yeah, you were a preemie. Uh, that story has been uh, chronicled. You've talked about it. Um, uh, it's amazing, your career path. We could not be more proud of and for you. Well, thank you, Keith, and thank you, Tom. And the one thing I, I uh, want to say is um, when I was working with you guys, it was, it was the first time that Florida State had been associated with ISP and IMG, and there were a lot of possible hurdles. And there were a lot of opportunities for people to say, oh, you know, this this isn't working or, you know, this guy's new or whatever. And all of you, Ryan Pensy, you guys, Gene, everybody associated with the, the broadcast, T.C. McGuire. I mean, uh, you know, I I, um, I care deeply for you guys because you, you were so welcoming to me and so interested in integrating me into the broadcast and, and William Floyd, too, certainly. Uh, and and I really do appreciate that, and I always will. Thanks so much for the kind words. Congratulations on your success. Look forward to catching up this weekend, Jason. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys. All right, and uh, do us a favor. Call a Florida State victory, would you? Well, if it, if it goes sideways, I can't totally lie because the score will be on the screen, but I will I will be really uh, thinking about you. <laughs> understand, understand. We can't blame you. All right, good to catch up, and uh, congratulations again. A good Thanks, guy, Tom. Thanks, Keith. A, a great guy, Jason Benetti. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that last. I was going to leave that last as well. Because, uh, I'm talking about the cerebral palsy because it, it's it's almost a footnote now. He's had such success. You wouldn't know that. If, if you, if you didn't just listen to he's a tremendous baseball play-by-play announcer. Exactly. If you didn't know, you would not be aware. You would have to pay attention. Now, once you pay attention, you can see that he, he struggles with certain things, and there's times when um, he's got some issues with an eye and, and a little bit of a limp. Uh, but his what, what's really interesting about Jason is his sense of humor about it, uh, and his sense of humor, period. But, uh, you know, the, the, you, you can pick on him, and you will not hurt his feelings. And be very careful about what you pick on him about because he may come back and better you on it. Well, and he and you heard 
heard the voice. He's got a great voice. No question. And uh, terrifically talented. White Sox fans, baseball fans know that, and, and he'll call a good game uh, this weekend. Hopefully a victory, as we just mentioned. We'll come back and put the wraps on Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Time to finish up some programming messages here. Don't forget that Front Row Knowles is available on demand after every week's show. You can uh, head to ESPNTallahassee.com under the Audio Vault. Hit the drop-down menu. You can... uh, find front row knowles not just this week's show but the archives as well you can subscribe to our podcast via itunes you can stream the show live via wtsm the wtsm app you can find some of us on twitter uh, at underscore tom block and at front row knowles gotta bring that up just gotta bring that up i did on the way well you you won the technological battle today because you figured out how to work my iPhone, so I do appreciate that. Uh, thanks again to uh, Tim Linnefeld for joining us and Jason Benetti. I didn't get a chance. I needed to be sensitive with his time because he's calling. Ba- he's all over the place, and uh, it, w- it was kind of him to join us. I did want to ask him about Nikki Delmonico, who's been up with the White Sox this year, who obviously his brother Tony played for FSU. Uh-huh. Nikki's on the DL right now, I think, but uh, his dad, Rod. I wonder if Benetti can do a Harry Carey impersonation. You know, He's with the White Sox, Harry Carey. With the Cubs, can he can he do a Harry Carey impersonation? We'll ask him. We'll ask him this weekend. And and how do you feel right now? Well, we'll get this off your chest. And his partner with the White Sox is is Steve Stone. Right? Didn't Stone used yes. to do the Cubs with Harry? Yes. Wow. Yes. This is all true. And if we ever syndicate this show in Chicago, this will be much more germane to our audience. Just had to go there. I had you? to. So, so now I was excited, and now I'm annoyed again. Well, but how are you in terms of paranoia? I mean, are you over, over. a cliff? I'm You're- over that. Twelve and a half points. We're going to cover, and Blackman's going to throw for more than three hundred. And if we, and if I ask you again in thirty seconds, I'm going to stay with it. That's my new. That's my new norm. Here's one technical thing I didn't, and we've got less than a minute here, Keith. You are the only one I know that's brought up this point about Cam Akers and Blackman in the backfield together because it's a pair of true freshmen. So given that, do you think that we still see more of Patrick, or do you think Florida State goes to a two-back look this week to get past that? I think you go two-back look, not because of Cam Akers being a freshman, because of that front four of NC State. You've got to find a way to protect that freshman quarterback. So you see it as too wide with a, you know, and then 12 personnel. Yep. Yeah. All right. He's Keith Jones. I'm Tom Block. And uh, as long as the FCC. That's Matthew. That's Matthew on the other side of the glass. As long as the FCC is okay with it, we'll be back uh, next week at this time. Also, don't forget that uh, our seminal Sunday edition of Front Row Knowles airs at 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. each and every Sunday. We'll have a full recap on the NC State game. Folks, enjoy it. It's finally a football week. We're going to play on Saturday. We'll talk to you soon. Medic! Medic! Medic!